America. My name is Armio Frimpong. I come to you live every Friday. Today I'm coming to you Monday morning just to talk a little bit about uh, just to talk a little bit about um, Afghanistan and it just imploded officially and so now we can talk about it. Although Richard Dean Winfield wrote a pretty good book about this in 2007 based on a paper he wrote in 2004, um, Modernity, Religion, and the War on Terror. And it pretty much just anticipates why these nation-building efforts fall down. And the, 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 the crux of the argument is that nations need to be held, upheld by social factors. And if they're not upheld by social institutions, they implode, right? And they need to be upheld by particular social institutions that need to be formed in particular ways. And we're going to get into the particularities of this um, presently. Thank you for your time. And we failed in similar ways in the American South, which is why I think functionally you have an internal colony here uh, in the American South where and white people are the colonizers and black people are still just colonized. And, and we've just kind of accepted that as the everyday America. But um, in Afghanistan, it actually officially imploded. So there's this notion that you can just kind of drop ballot boxes and a constitution on a people, and then all of a sudden, it's going to be a constitutional democracy. You can just kind of give everyone the vote, and then the kind of like air bomb ballot boxes, and then you have a nation, a people. And that's just not true. And it takes more than just like a newspaper um, on all of these formal, uh, these formal uh, binding mechanisms. You, you need more than the same media. It was like, well, you know, you need the same media and the same culture. No, it's more than just having the same media and the same culture. You need particular kinds of media and particular kinds of culture. So you need um, universal property rights so that some people can, so that some people, so it's not the case that some people can have property and some people can't. Because if you don't have property, that means you don't have property over your own body, which means you can't be responsible for what you say or do. It could be the responsibility of your master, which means you, like, Democratic self-governance is impossible. So you need property rights, at least over your own body, so that your words and deeds can be known as yours, right? And so any sort of understanding of property rights that doesn't give people property over their own words and deeds means that no matter how many ballot boxes you drop, um, uh, you're not going to have a constitutional democracy. You can't have self-governance. It would be like, dropping ballot boxes on, like I said, either the American South, like before slavery, after slavery, it doesn't really matter insofar as um, the, the expression of the vote is going to be an expression of the master's will, not really uh, emancipated. Right? So you need universal property rights if you're going to have a constitutional democracy. You need a scheme of moral accountability, which means you're accountable for what you do on purpose. Not necessarily everything you do, but everything you do on purpose. Because if you can't be accountable for everything you do, on, do and say on purpose, uh, like I said, you can't. There's a problem of self-governance. Um, you can't be accountable for what you say in meetings. You can't be accountable for like actually the expressions that you, uh, that you purposefully... Um, um, express. And uh, uh, just in general, you can think about the difference between someone who backs into you as they're driving because they sneezed and then they hit the, uh, they hit the gas and that backs into you. Uh, or someone who backs in, or someone who uh, hits rear ends you because they were changing the radio station as they like were on the phone texting and we're doing all of making all of these poor choices. 
right? So the second person we say is, is, is more capable, uh, more culpable for their actions insofar as they did their actions on purpose. This isn't the case that they happened to back, uh, um, um, uh, hit your back tire because they sneezed and it was in external things that are yours, like, like I said, your body, or, and what you do on purpose. Not necessarily everything you do, but what you do on purpose in order for self-governance. So if you have schemes that don't hold people accountable for what they do on purpose, then you're not gonna have, have a constitutional democracy. Um, also, uh, equality within the household. If you have schemes with strict hierarchy within the household, that means you're not gonna be able to have a constitutional democracy because what will be expressed from the votes of the other members of the household will be um, like a household vote that's determined by a hierarchy, right? So you need free households if you're gonna have a free people. And free households means um, equality and making like just household decisions and household decisions that are restricted to the household. For example, if, uh, if, you can say, well, we can organize our household any way you want. That's not a problem for freedom. It actually is. If you're saying that, for example, you know, you can't work outside. Of, if, the, if the guy is telling the woman she can't work outside of the house, that's not just about how she's organizing her household. That's about her ability to leave and exercise freedom outside of the household, including political freedom. You, you can't have a constitutional democracy when women aren't allowed even outside to vote or they're uh, you know, expected to vote the way of their husband. Either way is, is going to be a problem, right? And it screws it up for all of the people who aren't in that kind of household because they look like they could be in that kind of household. It's impossible to tell the difference. If you're hiring, I tell this, to, I ask my students this and, and they uh, get nonplussed until they think through it and are horrified by the truth of what I'm saying. So I'm gonna tell you something. If you look like someone who's in one of these repressive marriages, you still get punished as if you were are in a repressive marriage. You still get punished by society as if you are. For example, if I'm a hiring manager and I have to hire between two people, one person who is in a repressive marriage and the other person who looks like they're in a repressive marriage, and I know that whomever I hire, uh, I'm going to put $100,000 into training them, I don't want to hire someone who is going to, at any point in time, be told by their husband, well, you gotta stay home now for the good of the family. So not only does the person in the repressive marriage get not get the job, the person who looks like they're in their repressive marriage doesn't get the job, because I have a fiduciary responsibility to my shareholders to uh, you know not squander their investment capital, and I have so I'll hire the person who doesn't look like they're in an oppressive marriage because I don't want to have to deal with someone who says, well you know talked it over with my husband and he says I have to quit this job after I've spent $100,000 in training them for this job, right? So the presence of these repressive families not only screws up the civil opportunities, non-family, civil opportunities for the people in the, in the repressive household, it also screws up the civil opportunities for the people who look like them in that repressive household, right? The argument gets a little bit more complicated, but not much. So if you're paying attention or you need to go back and pay attention, uh, then uh, that's, uh, you should get it. All right, so what else? So you need universal property rights. You need free households. You need a civil society that actually, like, it can be governed under civil law, <laughs> right? 
Um, which is one of the problems with the United States. Um, yeah, uh, achievement of economic opportunity. Like that was um, on, you need the achievement of economic opportunity and somewhat uh, equal opportunity um, under the law. And then on top of that, we can start talking about the political institutions of, 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 of freedom. Without those social factors, without those non-political, those social factors, property rights, um, moral accountability, household freedom, and economic, equal economic opportunity under the law, under a civil law, then just adding ballot boxes doesn't do it, right? So those factors weren't present in Afghanistan or in the American South. And so adding the vote was just a disaster. You can't just do it with guns and money. You can't just have, you can't just uh, have a nation run on guns and money. And this is, pro this is a problem talking to a lot of rich people and Americans in general. They think everything can be solved with guns and money and, and not through like conforming meaning-making institutions to uphold, you know, political freedom. Um, I mean, we have a nation that's pretty much held together by money and nuclear subs. So it, there's, a, there's a way in which, but it, it's, it's made us decadent. It's made us decadent. We're not really a nation. Like I said, South is pretty much a colonial state. Then black people are an internal colony within a functional state. But um, the nation has enough uh, money and, uh, you know, guns to make it an orderly colonial state. So black people are appropriately repressed. We built a, um, and, and we built a prison industry to keep it that way. Right. So outside of the institutions of political freedom, you need social factors that conform, free social factors that conform to and uphold political freedom. And if you're not willing to do the hard work of conforming those social, social factors, then that's a problem. And moral accountability is going to extend to churches. So pretty much you're going to have to conform religions to um, uphold constitutional democracy. And for those who say, oh, no, you don't look at the United States. We, we didn't, we don't, we have religious freedom and we still have a constitutional democracy. Well, yes and no, right? So religious freedom also gave you this. This church had to go. This church had to go, right? So you can't say, well, you know, we, we worship white supremacy in this church because um, it's part of our religious values. No, we bar that. We, like, that's a problem. Um, so religious freedom, and we bar incest and necro man necrophilia and we bar all sorts of cultish practices we bar all sorts of religious practices that get in the way of upholding political democracy the only reason we let uh, uh you know christianity and even catholicism in here is because you know jesus is pretty clear about rendering onto caesar what is caesar's if that wasn't in the case and if you couldn't ground the supremacy of the political system in your religion then your religion's a threat to that political system and um, that's going to be a problem, right? So you need to privatize households and render them equal and free. And you need to privatize religions and them, render them equal and free to allow for a civil society that can be free. And then that free civil society then upholds uh, political freedom. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're not serious about the nation building process. I, I'm trying to figure out 
I mean, we weren't really willing to like, we have, we had to change how white Southerners worship God and we needed, we needed to change how white Southerners think of their property. And we needed to think change of how white Southerners think of civil society. We weren't willing to do that social work. So instead of doing that, we just threw ballot boxes and, and now, and that's how reconstruction failed. And then we even pulled out the guns and it's just a joke. I mean, we could, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have the guns there to give you cover while you do the social work. And the social work isn't just school. Social work is actually reforming institutions like religious property and um, civil institutions. And if you're not doing that work, then the guns aren't, aren't that important. And um, so I'm gonna talk a few drawbacks of this variety of colonialism and nation building in a second. But I do want to say that uh, like taking the social factors of that uphold a certain variety or a political vision is important. Like you have to take the social factors and non-political social factors. Seriously, I, I think I did a video on this before calling for the total war. I can t call it the comprehensive campaign. If you don't like the total war, <laughs> like the total political war includes all of these social factors, uh, you can call it the comprehensive campaign. You need a comprehensive campaign if you're gonna build a nation. And it can't just be schools and guns. You need to conform their uh, view of religion, and you need to conform their view of the family, and you need to conform their view of civil society. Because um, parochialism in all, any of those spheres is going to undercut the political supremacy you need and equality, political equality, the equality you need for a democratic government and the political supremacy you need for a constitutional democracy. Right? Um, but if you do conform the family like understand free families, if you do conform civil societies and equal opportunity in civil um, affairs, and if you do conform property rights so that people uh, are universally accountable, uh, uh, universally recognized as having property, at least in their own body, that's theirs, um, then you have the possibility of upholding political freedom. We still need all of these other spheres of, of right, um, uh, political rights, like media and education because you can't really vote if you don't really know anything about the candidates so you need uh, media and education and all of these other political rights but these social factors need to be conformed in order to uphold a uh, political vision and the failure to take the social factors seriously like will just lead to a formal and hollow political vision which i think characterizes afghanistan for the last 15 years formal and hollow all right, so, and we kind of knew that took this seriously with respect to Japan because at the end of World War II, we were like, all right, God Emperor, we're going to need you to make a public de uh, declaration that you are not, <laughs> you are not a God, you are just a person because you can't have a constitutional democracy on one person and a God in the body of the emperor on the other. So we're going to need you to make a public declaration about like, you're not a God. All right, so we said that after World War II and the Japanese were like, yeah, because, you know, we had bombs then. And so we kind of imposed the external conditions for an internal constitutional republic. All right, so you're gonna have to have a problem. So anytime you have nation building, you're gonna have a problem because it's going to be, you need to be pretty muscular in your, in your social um, program. And you can't just use it to exploit and extract resources from the community. The goal is what nonprofit, and this is what nonprofits should do. The goal is to work yourself out of a job not to make profit off of their vulnerability. And so you gotta get rid of the incentives that like, uh, and this is the same with nonprofit culture, you gotta get rid of the incentives that um, 
uh, allow you to profit from the vulnerability of the people you're helping. And, and that's, that's good. All right. So what's going to be the problem? What's going to be the post-colonial problem? And, and Winfield talks about this where he talks about the problem in 89 through uh, 87, 88, talks about the problems <laughs> a little bit after that. And it's going to be pretty much uh, coming down to, you're going to have these vestiges of, of pre-modern um, parochial hierarchies that are going to be kind of diffused throughout society, not, not secluded on reservations, but like actually diffused throughout societies. You've dropped ballot boxes, but you still haven't gotten, gotten rid of like how the vestiges of how like asymmetrical families and civil society and unequal opportunity in civil society and um, what was the third thing? Oh, dicey property rights. Um, uh, are kind of still metastasized through the, through the society. So, which means the political outcomes aren't going to be representative of a free people. They're going to be uh, representative of a socially determined people determined by their um, um, uh, pre-traditional or pre-modern uh, conventions, right? So, and then on the other side of that, um, if you're talking about a post-colonial regime, you have to, and this is important, this is especially important for the American South, you have to account for how all of the pre-modern conventions were about like abolishing and like ravaging the civil capacities of, of the people you're trying to emancipate, right? So you had slavery, which was all about abolishing the black family, all about abolishing um, black civil participation and all about abolishing property, black like sense of property, right? So black people weren't in charge of their own bodies. They um, weren't given an education for civil society, including like the bureaucratic, they couldn't, they weren't taught how to read. They were forbidden, not just weren't taught, were forbidden learning how to read. Um, and so like, you know, you, there's a, a bureaucratic competence you, know, you need in civil society and just, you know, participate in commerce goods. And then also, um, lastly, our family was pretty much destroyed and decimated. So in all three of those social factors, like you need to rebuild them if we're going to be a self-determining a self people. We need to enable like healthy families that are equal. We need to enable property rights and we need to enable like equal opportunity and civil participation. Then on top of that, we'll have political freedom. But in order to do that, we're gonna have to like, like form all of those institutions through like political power and supremacy through the guns. So it gets a little tricky. So the first problem is in a pre-colonial, in a post-colonial society, you still have pre-colonial vestiges and traditional vestiges um, of hierarchy kind of dispersed throughout society, diffused throughout society. The second problem is that in order to make this a colonial society to begin with, uh, now that we're post-colonial and make a colonial side, you had to wipe out um, uh, families, property rights, and uh, civil participation. So you're dealing with a broken people. Right? You're dealing with a broken people who have been decimated, culturally decimated. And um, so you have to rebuild that, which is a whole thing.
And then lastly, now you rebuild that in a context where they're competitive with more developed modern societies, who are just, which leaves them ripe for exploitation. Right? So, traditional vestiges, problem. Because insofar those uh, non-modern vestiges are parochial authorities are going to be a problem that, that are for political governance. Two, the ravages of colonialism, which destroyed um, any semblance of family property rights and, and um, civil society, and reformed them in a colonial image. And three, now that post-colonial uh, society is in competition with more developed modern society. The wolves are, are circling, or the buzzards are circling. And that's, you know, I think that was the case with Afghanistan and the United and the American South. That was black communities. They're like, all right, black people now compete with Amazon. <laughs> Go compete with Jeff Bezos, right? So um, come on, hustle harder. You can compete with Jeff Bezos. And so uh, if you're serious about nation building, you have to be serious about establishing property rights, establishing free families, and establishing, um, uh, you know, a sphere of moral accountability, which means a church that upholds constitutionality and the equality of, of citizens and um, equal participation in civil society. Then we could start talking about airdropping um, ballot boxes and securing political rights. So political freedom depends on non-political but social factors. We don't take the social factor seriously. We think political freedom depends on the presence of ballots and or even the uniformity. We think that if everyone's on the same page, they can be they're a nation. They could be they can be a constitutional democracy. No, everybody can be on the same page, but it can be a, a really bad page, shot through with like, um, like oppressive internal dynamics within the family, oppressive civil, civil societies, and an inequality and and property rights or particularization or privileging of uh, certain property rights over other people as people are conceived of as property. All right, I hope this has been helpful. Remember, political freedom requires social factors. We don't take the social factors seriously. We won't get the political project you want. And those social factors include church, property, um, civil society, moral accountability. All of those things have to be conformed uh, in order to uphold political freedom, right? If you want more about this, check out Richard Dean Winfield's Modernity, Religion, and the War on Terror, especially pages 87 and 88, and um, yeah, 87 and 88, and just that chapter in general. Yeah, that chapter in general. Yeah, he, he actually tries to say Turkey almost got this right, but kind of, you know, it's tricky. Turkey almost got this right. Uh, but you just, you have to be very invasive. You have to be very invasive um, in conforming society. If you want to set up the antecedents, the things that go before actually a political democracy, a constitutional democracy. Thank you very much. And I will see you Friday. Oh, no, Thursday. We do Thursday shows. We do Thursday shows now because I have class on Friday. Take care. Bye.